Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you did come down to earth in your son Jesus. That he was willing to empty himself and become one of us so that one day we can become one with you. As we celebrate his birth this day, we thank you so much for your great love. And we ask that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can hear your message, so that we can live with Jesus born in our heart, growing in our heart, living in our heart, maybe for the first time or for the, for the hundredth time or for maybe in some cases the thousandth, ten thousandth time. God, we ask that you will glorify yourself, not only in this season, but in our individual lives as we share the life that we have received from Jesus with one another and with those around us. We pray that you will be glorified in all that takes place here during our time together and in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I am so grateful that you have decided to join us online as we celebrate Christ's birth. What an incredible year we have endured. And when I say incredible, I mean the the original meaning of that word, impossible to imagine. 2020 started out like pretty much every other year. We celebrated New Year's. We went to work or school. On the weekends, we came to worship. During the week, we went to basketball games and wrestling matches and other school activities. We went out to eat and we went to movies. It was life as we've always known it. But even back in January, the coronavirus was starting to make the news. On January 9th, the World Health Organization told us about a mysterious coronavirus-related pneumonia in Wuhan, China. Most of us didn't notice. But less than two weeks later, the first case of COVID-19, as we've come to call it, was discovered in America. By February 3rd, the Trump administration declared a public health emergency. And on February 25th, the CDC said the coronavirus was reaching epidemic or pandemic status. I didn't hear that announcement, but two days later, I boarded a plane for my first mission trip to India. That would be the last mission trip that the, outside of the United States that New Life Christian Ministries was to take in 2020. When I returned from India on March 13th, I was as sick as I ever remember being. In fact, Nancy told me she has never seen me look worse. We thought I might have COVID-19. So I went to the doctor, and back in those days, unless you had at least three symptoms, they weren't giving you the test because the testing uh, kits were in such short supply. So when I went into the room, they put me in a room, and they had me sort of enter by a side door. They came in, and they had gowns, and they had gloves, they had masks, they had shields. I mean, it looked like they thought I was radioactive. And they poked around, you know, took a swab of my throat, but it wasn't the COVID test. And they said to me, you don't have COVID. You just have a virus. Go home. And they gave me some medication to stop my coughing, which I couldn't do. And I actually, I didn't even know the word yet, but I self-quarantined for the next three days. I slept in the guest room in the basement just because I would keep everybody awake with my coughing. Anyway, the next thing we knew, schools were closed, businesses were closed, and then we had these stay-at-home orders all across the United States, and that became the new normal. The vast majority of churches went to online worship, or they weren't able to worship at all. That was the incredible or the impossible-to-believe year that we started to have in March of 2020. The big question back then in everybody's mind was simply this, when is life going to be normal again? And the optimists were saying, well, it's just going to be a few weeks. The pessimists were saying, well, it's going to be summer. But not very many people were saying, we're not going to return to normal in 2020. 
reactions to the imposed suspension of life as we knew it reached from two different extremes, right? In this extreme, people are saying, oh, it's nothing, just ignore it. On this side, people are saying, we better stay home and not leave our house for months. In the middle of all of the pandemic in late May, what happened? The murder of George Floyd. And then the resulting protests and then riots and in some place, anarchy. Social media became the center for heated exchanges and expressions of opinion on all sides of every issue. Now, here in Saxonburg, we avoided most of that, but life certainly has not been normal. While the schools eventually moved to providing online learning for Pennsylvanians, and Pennsylvania developed what that, remember the red, yellow, green system for returning to normal events like going out to a restaurant to eat or going to a gym to work out, there was just this general sense of dis-ease. So what does all that have to do with Christmas? Actually, it has everything to do with Christmas. This year's Christmas title series has been titled New Beginnings, Thrill of Hope, and it's focused on some of our most beloved Christmas carols and how we can use the text from those carols to live into new beginnings, which we all sort of need and have needed in this time, right? I mean, back in September, we started our New Beginnings theme for the whole year because we just knew that in the midst of COVID, everybody wanted and needed some new beginnings. If we could all get into a time machine right now and we could take ourselves back to that first Christmas, back 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, what we would find is a world that was filled with disease and division and dread. The nation of Israel, which had once been a dominant nation in the Middle East, was now being dominated by the Romans. They longed for the day when God would send His Deliverer to restore them to their former greatness. Now, isn't it interesting? They were longing for their former greatness. Isn't it interesting how many times when things are going wrong in our lives, we look backwards and we want to see, why can't we go back to the way it used to be? Rather than looking forward to a new future, because the only, where, only place we can go from the present is the future. In every era in human history, people have wanted a better life, a different life, a life free from the struggle and trouble of the current moment. As we consider that truth, let's consider another one, which is our take-home point for today. The take-home point, for those of you who are watching for the first time, is the one point I'm going to make from Scripture and actually from the text of Silent Night that we want to take home with us and we want to live out in the week ahead. Here it is. Life changes from the moment Jesus is born in your life. Life changes from the moment Jesus is born in your life. Christmas is the celebration of Jesus' birth. The night Jesus was born into this life on this planet, the Israelites had been longing for his birth for hundreds of years, or more accurately, they had been longing for the birth of the Christ or the Messiah, God's anointed one, who would free them from oppression. Well, 2020 has been a tough year for all of us. As Pastor Mark pointed out in his message this past weekend, it was a lot tougher for the people who lived then. Most of them worked from sunup to sundown just to put food on the table for their families. The Romans disrupted their lives anytime they felt like it, not to mention King Herod, their own king, did the very same thing. They believed that when the Christ came, everything would change. His birth would change everything. And they were right. But when the Christ came, when Jesus came to the world, it was nothing like 
they anticipated, nothing like they expected it to be. They thought that the Christ, the Messiah, would be a descendant of their greatest king, King David, and they were right about that. In fact, let's turn to Luke 2 to read how Jesus' birth happened. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Joseph was descended from the tribe of Judah, which was also the tribe of King David. And he was also, probably Mary was as well, because in those days, they tended to marry within their own tribes. The Roman Emperor Augustus had issued a registration, a census for Israel. Every person had to return to the hometown of their ancestral origin. In the case of the people who were descended from David, they had to go to Bethlehem, which meant that Joseph and Mary had to travel from northern Israel, Nazareth, a hundred miles to southern Israel, to Bethlehem. And as Pastor Barry mentioned a couple of weeks ago in his message, the timing was less than ideal. As the King James Version puts it, Mary was great with child. Jesus' birth came at an inconvenient time for his parents and caused them great challenges. The same could be said for much of 2020, right? A lot about 2020 was inconvenient. Babies often come at inconvenient times. So do job losses, cancer, relationship breakdowns, pandemics, it seems, and pretty much everything that we're not expecting or looking forward to in this life. But what comes at the most inconvenient time of all is our own unwillingness to accept the life that life does not revolve around us. The reason that life changes the moment Jesus is born in our lives is at that moment we become new people. The old stuff that's going on in the world around us, whether it's oppression from an outside political force or whether it's a pandemic, is still going to be happening. But what happens is we start to change from the inside out. More about that in a moment, but let's get back to the account of Jesus' birth. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus' birth took place far from his earthly home, but we can't even calculate the distance it was from his heavenly home, his eternal home, to here on earth. I mean, we know that Jesus would say as an adult <clears throat> that the kingdom of heaven is among us, but the actual reality is the kingdom of heaven is in a whole different dimension. The Israelites believed that the Christ would be born in a palace. No one expected him to be born in a stable. The wise men who came to visit Jesus from a distant land came to the, to the palace in Jerusalem because where else would the king of Israel be born? But the thing is, we often think that we know what's going on around us, right? We know what's best. The wise men thought, come to the palace. Every Israelite would have thought, same thing. But sometimes we think we know what's going on, but we have no clue. No one noticed Jesus' birth, not at first. Bethlehem was filled beyond capacity that night because of all of those visitors who came from the line of David who had to be into the town for that census. But not one of them had any inkling that the Christ, the Messiah, had been born there that night. That was until this happened. 
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now that's more like it, isn't it? I mean, the Son of God is being born, so angels come to announce His birth. Well, it was actually one angel came first. And and think about it, just one angel. And those shepherds were frozen in fear. Think about that. The shepherds were not cowards. I mean, why were they out there that night? They were guarding the sheep against wild animals, against thieves. Whatever it was that came against their flock, they were going to take care of it. And yet one angel showed up, and the glory of the Lord (laughs) showed up. And they were frozen like dead men with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Good news of great joy for all the people. Anybody here need some good news tonight? Anybody here need... Some great joy. I think we've read those words dozens of times, probably dozens and dozens of times in my case, but I don't think I've ever needed to hear them more than in this year of 2020. Israel's long-awaited deliverer had come. Christ the Lord had been born. And this news was so important. In fact, it was too important for just one angel. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The multitude of angels praised God for what he had done in sending Jesus and proclaiming peace to the world. Notice the angels weren't singing to the shepherds. They were singing praise to God. And that was going to happen over and over again while Jesus was on the earth. Not that the angels would sing and the shepherds would get to listen in, but the God of the universe was there in Jesus. And as he healed, as he taught, as he, as he preached, as he cast out demons, human beings got to look in at what the God of the universe was doing. You see, that night the shepherds heard first about Jesus coming and the implications in heaven and on earth of that act. So when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I've always appreciated the shepherds' response to those angels. They didn't debate about whether they had really seen angels or it had been a vision, a dream, whatever. They didn't debate about who was going to get peace on earth. They didn't debate about anything. With one voice, they said, hey, let's go see this amazing thing that the Lord has told us about. The shepherds acted, and so must we if we want to experience the life changes that Jesus came to bring us. When God spoke through the angels, the shepherds listened and acted. That's called obedience. The result of their obedience was they got to be the very first ones to witness Jesus' birth. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What a simple but profound sight. The Son of the living God, the King of the universe, lying in a feeding trough. Such humble circumstances for the King of the world. And you know, in that humble birth, Jesus told us, I mean, He couldn't speak yet, but He told us that He came for each one of us and for every one of us. No one is too significant and no one is too insignificant to matter to Jesus. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
The shepherds were the first evangelists. They were the first ones to share the good news of Jesus' birth with the people in that crowded little town of Bethlehem. And can you imagine that night, a bunch of shepherds running through the streets saying that the Christ had been born, the Messiah was come, and they had seen him, and he was lying in a manger. Now, well, that last part would have seemed incredible, right? As impossible to believe. What? The, the, the Messiah is lying in a manger? That makes no sense. And it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's response to the shepherd's announcement was to treasure these things in her heart. You know, she knew that she had just given birth to the Messiah. An angel had told her. But now that was confirmed by hundreds of angels who had spoken to the shepherd. Jesus' birth was a glorious, glorious moment. And not only for Mary and Joseph, not only for the shepherds, but for the entire world. And it says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The angels had not overpromised and underdelivered. When the shepherds got to to Bethlehem, everything was exactly the way they had been told it would be. You see, they returned back to their fields that night, but nothing was the same. They weren't glorifying God that night before the angels showed up, and I'm pretty sure they weren't thinking about the Christ or about peace on earth. Jesus' birth rocked their world. And that's what it's supposed to do for each of us. Do you realize that? Jesus came to rock our world, to change us. But perhaps the words of Silent Night, the carol that we're going to look at right now, lulls us into a feeling that everything was peace-filled and blissful that night's blissful that night so long ago. So let's look at the words of the first, the first verse. We're going to be singing these later. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round John, virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Do you really think it was silent in that small town that was overcrowded with visitors from out of town because of the census? It was most assuredly a holy night because holy means set apart for God's purpose. And it was a holy night because Jesus, God's only Son, had come into the world. He was born that night, but he would live the only perfect life ever lived. And then he would die on the cross to pay for the sin that you and I had committed. The second line reiterates the first. It says, all is calm, all is bright. Do you really think so? Was it calm that night as Joseph desperately looked for a place where his pregnant wife could have her baby? While all was incredibly bright over the shepherds as those angels were singing their praises to God, I doubt if it was really any brighter than any other night there in Bethlehem as Mary and Joseph were there in that stable or wherever it was that that manger was located. But that's the intent the song gives us. The third and fourth lines say, Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. And when you think about that, What it means is that it was a calm, peaceful night as Mary, the virgin mother, looked around with Jesus, the little baby that had just been born. And as Pastor Mark reminded us this past weekend, it probably wasn't as tranquil as that song makes it sound. The final two lines say, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. How many newborns sleep in peace all through the night? Not very many that I've ever known. I'm not trying to disparage the song. In fact, this is one of my favorite songs. I'm simply saying we find a lot of the editing of grace in this song. 
You know what I mean by the editing of grace? We all do it in our lives. We think back on a time that, you know, we went through in our lives and we say, oh, what an amazing, incredible time in our life. It was so, so powerful for us. And people who hear us go, what? When you went through that time, you didn't know you were going to make it through. You, you weren't even sure. You, 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 you thought, you know, you were broke. You were you are saying that this was the hardest time in your life. Now you're looking back and you're saying it's a good time. But that's what's happened. The editing of grace, whether it's years or in this case, thousands of years later, it seems better than maybe it actually happened. Verse 2 turns to the shepherds. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly host sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Again, the gist of the verse is very true. The shepherds did quake. That is, they froze in fear at the sight of Jesus. Now, technically, they didn't sing Alleluia, right? Alleluia means praise the Lord. They did praise the Lord. What they actually said was glory to God in the highest. But the key in this verse is the punchline. Christ the Savior is born. All human history, do you realize, all of human history is recorded from what happened before that birth and what happened since that birth. Now, I know in this politically correct era, we talk about BCE, before the common era, rather than BC, before Christ. But we all know that the common era started the night that Jesus was born. And how we acknowledge him in our lives, or whether we don't acknowledge him in our lives, makes all the difference. The final reverse reminds us who was born that night. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Jesus is the Son of the living God. And he is the God of the universe. He is love's pure light. Think about that. The love's pure light, Jesus. He shines that light, and any love, any light that we have in our lives is merely a reflection of that. It says radiant beams came from his holy face. I don't think so. The reason I don't think so is because the the author of the Hebrews says that Jesus was like us in every single way except without sin. And, And I, you know... I know that as you're sitting there at home, you're probably a little more joyful than usual. I hope you're a little more joyful than usual, but I don't think your faces are beaming or radiant. Just, just, just saying. Okay. But the key thing is, Jesus' birth was the dawn. It was the commencement of his redeeming grace. Jesus was Lord at his birth. Lord means master, owner, and he really was. Even as he lay there in that manger, he was the Lord of the universe, and he would grow to be Lord and Savior of all who would trust in him. So here's the question. I want to go back to the the take-home point. Was Jesus' birth such that he is born in you? Jesus must be born in our lives. That's the only way for his birth to matter, his life to matter, his death and resurrection and his eventual return to matter for us. You see, as an adult, Jesus told a Jewish religious leader named Nicodemus that he had to be born again, that he had to be born spiritually or else he would never inherit the kingdom of God. And and that same thing is true for us. Jesus was born in this world to live the only perfect life that's ever been lived and to die and rise again for each of us. And when we believe that, When we act on that, we are born again. 
He is born in us. That's what I've been talking about this entire message. And the reality is, for Jesus' birth to matter, you must be born again and live with Jesus at the center of your life. On Christmas morning, some people are going to get up and they're going to open presents and it's going to be all about the presents. On some, for some, they'll get up on Christmas morning it'll be just another day like any other day. But the reality is, some of us are going to get up on Christmas morning and we are going to think about this because God became one of us in Jesus. One day we get to become one with Him. Nothing matters more than Jesus being born in our hearts and then letting him grow us into the men and women of God that he created us to be. And that's why today's next step is this. I will live with Jesus at the center of my life this week. I will live with Jesus at the center of my life this week. Some of us have been doing that for years, maybe even decades. Some of us have said that Jesus is Savior and Lord, but he's never really been at the center of our lives. Some of us have never even considered having Jesus be at the center of our lives. Right now, I'm going to ask you to do much more than just consider that. I'm asking you to commit to letting Jesus be born in your heart, to give him the center of your life if you've never done that, to live with him as your Savior, meaning rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master. As I often say here at New Life, making Jesus the Savior, the rescuer of your life, and Lord, the master of your life, is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's actually as simple as ABC. First, we admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you've turned away from God. Believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life. Confess that you're a sinner and confess that to God. Don't just admit it to yourself, but confess it to God and then confess to anybody who will listen. That means just tell anybody who will listen that you have a new life, that Jesus has been born in your heart. Right now, we're going to pray. And then we're going to close our service by singing Silent Night and sharing the light of Jesus with one another symbolically as we pass the light of candles from the Christ candle to one another. The prayer is much more important than the candle lighting and the singing. And what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to just look at this prayer. Before I ask anybody to ever pray a prayer that's up on the screen, I want you to look at it. So here it is. It says, Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus is both Savior and Lord. Ask and ask for him to be born in me. I confess my sin to you, and I confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus will be at the center of my life from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So if that's a prayer that you need to pray, would you pray that with me? Heavenly Father, I admit I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus is both Savior and Lord and ask for him to be born in me. I confess my sin to you, and I confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus will be at the center of my life from this moment forward, in Jesus' name, amen. For all of us who have made a prayer like that sometime part of our lives, I have a prayer for us to close out our service with before we go to the candle lighting. Look at it again before we pray it. Let, just look at it with me. It says, Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus has been born in me. Fill me anew with your Holy Spirit so I may live with Jesus Christ at the center of my life, whatever comes. Let my life reflect Jesus' light to everyone I meet. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus has been born in me. Fill me anew with your Holy Spirit so I may live with Jesus at the center of my life, whatever comes. Let my life reflect Jesus' light to everyone I meet. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we're gonna go to that part in the service.
It's a very special time when we remember that Jesus is the light of the world. This candle represents Jesus. And I know I can't pass it through my screen to you, but you can certainly light a candle at home and you can pass it to any of the other people that are with you. And as you do that, remember that just as the light of Jesus was transferred to you, your calling in your life is to pass it on to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, those with whom you go to school when you ever have the opportunity to do that in person. Anyone you meet, you can share that new life of Jesus. So let's, as we sing together, let's remember that night that may or may not have been silent, but that night that was certainly holy and that night that changed history. Let's sing together. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. Hope to see you again soon.